And go ahead and be fine in this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9. Two weeks ago we started a series uh, entitled Life After Death. In the last two weeks we've looked at uh, two different passages about hell and some of the things that, uh, that are related to that. Uh, very, very seldom... Uh, in my ministry, have I ever strayed for, from a series? Uh, but this Sunday, I feel led to do that. Um, and that's tough. I hope you understand that. Because I, I like, I'm a planner, and, uh, and I pray through everything, and, and I, dates and all that line up uh, with where I feel like God is leading. But this is a week where I just feel in my heart that God is leading me in a different direction. Elizabeth and I had, a, had the privilege to represent First Baptist Church this week in St. Louis, Missouri at the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, I had, I've been to conventions before and tried to be a faithful messenger, uh, not only to represent uh, our church, but represent the Lord Jesus Christ in any way possible. Um, and to, to pray for our convention this year was much like any other year. Uh, had some difficult things that we needed to address as a convention let me share a couple of those with you today. Not necessarily difficult things, but just some, some things that's happening. Some that you will be proud of. Uh, some that I hope you will join with me in praying for and praying through. Probably the most encouraging thing I heard this week uh, among several was our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our goal this year, or our, our offering this year for the whole convention was $165 million dollars. That's $11 million over the previous record. So Southern Baptists this year gave more to international missions than have ever before in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention. I think that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, last year we had to do some reorganization when it came to our International Mission Board. We had to bring some missionaries home. We offered them uh, early retirement. We did that for a couple of reasons. Not because we did not want to share the gospel but you can't spend more than you're bringing in. And for several years, the International Mission Board has been doing that. And sooner or later, it was going to catch up with us. So they made the hard decision, the difficult decision, to bring some missionaries home voluntarily, to reorganize, not to get back to 5,500 missionaries where Southern Baptists have been for so long, but to get to 10,000 and to 15,000 and to 25,000 missionaries, which is what we need to reach the unreached people groups all over our world. And Southern Baptists answered that call this past year in Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And for that, we are thankful for that. But maybe, may it be a greater encouragement to be a part of international missions. Not just international missions, our Annie Armstrong Easter offering which is still being collected, but early signs show that it is also uh, a great amount that is giving. That is for missions here uh, in North America. Overseas needs the gospel. Now more than ever, our own backyard needs the gospel. And that's the North American Mission Board. That's the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Some of the things that are very discouraging that I hope you will join me in prayer is that for the eighth out of the last ten years, our baptisms are declining. Less people are getting saved today than they were per capita in 1950. Let that sink in just for a minute. Membership is declining, and church attendance is declining as well. Those are issues that are being addressed, but the only answer to that is a move of God. Not a change in strategy, not a change in formula, 
but for the churches that are meeting would get on their knees and cry out to God and say, God, we desperately need revival. We passed some resolutions this, this year. We stood up for the nation of Israel like we should always do. Passed a resolution on that. We passed a resolution under our, state, our country's motto, In God We Trust, saying that is something that we are for. We passed a resolution to distance ourselves from the, from, the, from the Confederate flag. That's a very personal issue to so many that are here today, and so many around our state, and so many around our country. But as one person who made the motion, who is related to the family, who's fought in the Confederate army, he said if one flag keeps one person from coming to know Christ, then that flag needs to go. We fought for, for religious freedom. And I don't know if you understand this or not, but religious freedom is under attack in our country. We are one election away, if it even takes that long, for all of our freedoms when it comes to religion to be taken away. The First Amendment is freedom of religion. It's not freedom of Christianity. That's what we want. And that's what we desire. But it is freedom for religion for all. That's always been the case. We have places of worship, even in our own state, that do not worship the way we do, that are not Christian the way we are. We don't believe that way. But they have their right to worship. It's our job to share the gospel and to present to them the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are fighting all over our country religious freedom. It was a historic convention, one that in my heart as we were driving home, I felt as Elizabeth and I were talking and she was writing down some things that was on my heart. I said, this is where I believe God is leading in the last couple of days through prayer. This is what I believe God is laying on my heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and following says this. Let me go down to verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 19 says this. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. I entitled this message, For the Gospel's Sake. For the Gospel's Sake. I have been preaching the Word of God for several years now, and I believe in my heart that we are closer to seeing Jesus today than we were yesterday. There's a little bit of humor in that, if you understand where I was coming from on that. We are closer to seeing Jesus today than we were yesterday. And as our world is changing, and as our world is becoming more and more evil, and as our church is becoming more and more quiet and comfortable... I believe God is raising up churches and generations to look past their heart of comfortableness to reach the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, we need to go overseas and preach the Word. Yes, we need to be on foreign missions. 
But look around us. God is bringing the nations to us. Sooner or later, the white ethnic group, the Caucasian, will no longer be a majority in the United States of America. We will soon be a minority. Over 80 to 85% of Southern Baptist churches are of the white ethnic group, Caucasian. How in the world are we going to reach the nations that are coming to us unless we lay aside some things that we hold on to so dearly that's keeping other people from coming to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. God is slowly raising up a generation of believers. And when I say generation, I'm not talking about young and old. I'm talking about a generation of believers that are crying out to Jesus and saying, Jesus, it is for your gospel sake and none other. There is nothing greater in our life except the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus were to come back today, the only thing that matters in your life is the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Everything else will fade away. Paul, as he's preaching, in fact, this is a middle of, of, of three chapters, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, where he's addressing the liberties that we have as believers. Aren't you glad that as Christians we have liberty? We have freedom. We are not under the bondage of any person except our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul understood that. But look at what he says in verse 19. He says, Though I am free from all Men, He says, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. Three things about this passage. Number one, Paul loved the gospel. He loved the gospel. Paul loved the gospel. And I pray that is your greatest love in life is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Several passages back that up. Acts chapter 9, Paul was radically saved by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What was Paul doing before he got saved? Paul's name before he got saved was Saul. And he was on his way to Damascus to terrorize and to kill Christians. Yet God radically changed the life of Paul. My answer to Islam and the Islam terrorists in our country is not our government. The answer is, is that God would save through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ another Saul and to make him a Paul and to make him a missionary and a church planter so that he can too spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray as Christians that you are not fearful and you are not scared of religions that are false. Because last time I checked, their God is dead. Our God is alive and well and His name is Jesus Christ. As a Christian, be very, very careful if there is fear in your life from a religion that is false. Brother John, they kill. Isn't that what Jesus did for you and I? He willingly gave His life so that you and I can exit a place called hell and to be with Him forever and ever in a place called heaven. Jesus said this, if you want to follow Me, you must first deny yourself and what? Take up your cross and follow Me. Jesus knows my last day here on this earth, whether it's from some physical illness or from some terrorist, Jesus knows my last day on this earth and I won't go a day sooner or a day later until Jesus gets ready to take you and I home We're in the palm of His hand. We're under His protection. 
And my mission today is not to voice my fear for somebody that doesn't know Jesus. My mission today is to voice the only truth that they need, and that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Paul loved the gospel. Paul loved Jesus. And he wanted the world to know that he loved Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 1 and 2 says, And I, brother, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech and of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He says here, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Paul was willing to do anything and to sacrifice anything to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we have anything in our life that will hinder people from coming to know Jesus? That's all it boils down to. It's not this issue or that issue or that issue or that issue. You say, Brother John, I don't really like Southern Baptists. I don't really like the direction they're going. Stand in line. When you stand for the truth of the gospel... And you're willing to take a stand. There are people sometimes that have to look in the mirror and say, God, is this for the furtherance for the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus? I had to do that. And I was reminded of our love for the gospel, that the major thing in our life is to see people come to know Christ. Paul was free from all men, but would gladly limit those rights for the sakes of those people who need to come to know Christ. He says here in this passage, he says, I became a servant to all. Your translation may have the word slave. A slave, a a servant to all. It means he would modify his habits, his preferences, his entire lifestyle. If any of those things caused someone to stumble or to be offended or to be hindered from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul put every questionable thing in his life under the control of love. Many people call this pre-evangelism. We're all for evangelism. Evangelism is to go out and to to share your faith. And as you look at our statistics when it comes to people coming to Christ, we praise God for all those that are coming to Christ. But we're we're missing the boat when reaching people for the gospel of Jesus. Pre-evangelism is those things in our life that we do that will help us evangelize. In other words, when we go to a certain group of people or to a certain race or, or gender, there may be some things we need to lay down in order to have an open door to even share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word servant here is really two words in the Greek language. The first word or words are is I enslave, and then the second word is myself. So it's really three words in English, two words in the Greek. I enslave myself. It's a strong word of emotion. Paul's not saying, well, if I need to, I will. Paul's saying, I will become a slave. I will become a servant to those people if it means that they come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Brother John, I'm not sure about being a slave to the lost. I'm not sure about being a servant to the lost. Where else is that in the Bible? Glad you asked. Mark 10, 44 and 45 says this, Whoever of you desire to be first, 
shall be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. We lay down our right of freedom if it means someone coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In Romans chapter, I mean in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13. Really, the first 13 verses of Romans, I mean uh, Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 13 talks about. The, the text about not being a stumbling block to those who may believe. One of the things that Paul was willing to lay down was meat. He said, if meat causes my brother to stumble, then I'm willing to lay that down if it by means them coming to know Christ. Paul was not a vegetarian. Paul loved meat. He said, but if it a means for someone to come to know Christ, he says, I will put down that freedom that I enjoy. Paul, even though he was a Jew, he understood that he could eat anything. But he willingly laid down that freedom if it meant reaching a group of people to come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. So here's the question that we ask ourselves and our freedoms and our liberties that we have. Will this advance the gospel or will this hurt the advancement of the gospel? Those are questions that we have to ask. What we believe in and what we cherish more than anything else, will this advance the gospel or will it hurt the gospel? If any affection of mine eclipses or confuses the gospel, let it go. If any affection or behavior of mine, if it eclipses or if it confuses the gospel, Let it go. Why? For the gospel's sake. We love the gospel more than anything else in life. It is all about the gospel. Number two, not only did he love the gospel, but number two, he labored in the gospel. Going back up to verse 19, it says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. I want you to underline in your Bible, uh, if you do that or highlight, that I might win. Because there are one, two, three, four, five, really six more times that he says something like this in these five few verses. He's all about winning people to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in verse 20, And to the Jews... He says, I became as a Jew. Here it is again, that I might win the Jews. So Paul's saying, if if I'm around Jewish people, then I want to become like Jewish people if it means for them coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Within scriptural limits, he's not abandoning the truth. He's not abandoning the gospel. He is saying he is free. He doesn't have to follow these ceremonies. He doesn't have to follow these rituals or these uh, festivals that Jewish people still follow. But Paul says, if it's an open door for the gospel, yeah, I'll participate in the Feast of Tabernacles. I'll participate in Passover. I'll participate in that or that. If it means the advancement of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am free to do that and I'm free not to do that. But if it means them coming to know Christ, he says, I'll do that. In Christ, this is what I just said, in Christ, Paul was no longer bound to ceremonies, rituals, or traditions. 
following or not following those. He had no effect on his spiritual life. But if participating, he would open the door for the gospel and he would gladly accommodate. What was once bound by legality is now bound by love. One time in Paul's life, because of the legal aspect, he had to do that because it was part of the law. But now he's been set free from that. Now he has liberty and freedom. Yet Paul says, hey, I'll do that if it means that they'll listen to me about the gospel. I'll participate in something that is of no sin if it means they'll hear. To the Jew, he says, I became a Jew. Paul says in Romans 10 verse 1, my heart's desire and my prayer is for all of Israel to be saved. He had a heart for people to give their life to Christ, especially his own people, Jews. He says, I'll do whatever I have to take without sinning for people to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There's a second group that he says, not only to the Jews, I became a Jew, I might win the Jews. To those, he says, who are under the law. As under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. That's the Jewish people. Verse 21, and to those who are without law. These are Gentiles. These are, are, are non-Jewish. As without the law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. These are people that may be bound, whether under law or not under law, Jew or Gentile, but they're not under the law of Christ. They're lost. Paul says, I will... I will accommodate if it means them coming to know Christ as the Lord and Savior. Paul says, I may not be under law. When it comes to the rituals of being a Jew, he says, but I am under law when it comes to the lifestyle of being like Christ. And Paul says, I have been commissioned to share the gospel. That's the law of Jesus Christ. Go and to make disciples of all nations and reaching those who need Jesus. So even those who are without the law, those who are the lost, they need to come to know Christ. And I'll do whatever I have to do to reach people for the gospel. I remember when I was in 7th or 8th grade, may even have been ninth grade, I was in junior high. I don't remember much about junior high and I'm very grateful for that. But I remember this story. We were at a church and I remember off to the side of the Sanctuary was where the youth met. It was kind of like a, a large trailer. And they put walls up on the side. And there was like 7th, 8th grade, ninth, 10th. My dad taught 11th and 12th grade boys. My dad was a deacon. Uh, he was very faithful in church and, and, uh, and, and you know, brought us up right. And Dad, this was back around 1992, 93, 94, somewhere around in there. Uh, where we went to church, and I, and I would say it's probably safe to say a lot of churches in Mississippi, dress was extremely formal back then. It's a little bit less formal today, and you, you, that's, you can argue that till you're blue in the face, but you have the freedom to do whatever you want to as long as people come to know Christ as the Lord and Savior. Amen. So, so Dad would oftentimes wear a coat and tie every Sunday because he was a deacon and, and most of the men during that time uh, war coat and tie, and that's, uh, that's okay with that. And, um, but one Sunday, he left early, and Mom said he's going to go pick up his friend who, who, uh, who he works with and bring him to church. I said, well, that's good. So I didn't see Dad before we left. I was in junior high, so I woke up five minutes before church started and, and uh, threw on some clothes, and no offense to junior high. Boys, that's what we did. So as we walked up there, I saw Dad, and he had a pullover shirt and blue jeans and cowboy boots. And I thought, Dad, 
don't you need to go home and change? And I didn't ask him that because his friend was there, but I asked my mom that. I said, Mom, Dad gone off the deep end? He's got blue jeans and a pullover shirt and cowboy boots. And he said, no, his friend doesn't know Jesus. And he knows his friend was not going to have a coat and tie on because he didn't have one. And my dad wanted to do anything possible, even if it meant leaving his suit at home, to have an open door so that man would listen to the gospel of Jesus. I'll never forget that story. And I don't even know if that man ever got saved. But I remembered what my dad did for the sake of the gospel. To the Jews, I became a Jew. To those that don't know Jesus, I wanted to, to, to take down any barrier or any wall. Not so that they would get saved, but just so they would listen to the gospel. And whatever that is in our life, I pray that there is nothing that will hinder us from sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Paul says, to the weak, I became weak. Verse 22, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Those who did not have the power of understanding the grasp of the gospel. Paul stooped to their level of weakness, of comprehension. To those who need simple and repeated presentations of the gospel, he gave it to them. Paul says, when I was around the weak, I didn't come and, 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 and talk about all of these, these, these theological doctrines. He said, I just sat down with them and said that Jesus Christ loves the world who are sinners. Jesus Christ died for sinners. Jesus Christ rose again. Jesus Christ offers eternal life. Jesus Christ is one day coming back to get his church to take them to heaven and they'll be there forever and ever and ever. Paul says, if that's what I need to teach, that's what I need to teach. Paul says, I've been to seminary. I've been trained. I know four languages. I sat under the, 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 the most intelligent in the Jewish synagogue. But Paul says, if I need to be like an like a unschooled learner, then that's what I need to be if it means for somebody coming to know Christ as the Lord and Savior. He labored in the gospel. He became all things to all men. The Bible says in the last part of verse 22, He did not compromise the gospel. I want you to listen to this. Paul never compromised the gospel. He would not change the least truth in any least way in order to satisfy anybody. He would never set aside a truth of the gospel, but he would gladly restrict his liberty in the gospel. He would not offend any Jew, any Gentile, or those weak in any understanding. Paul never set aside the truth of the gospel, but he said, if I have to set aside a preference or a desire or a, a, uh, whatever, a, a, uh, uh, whatever the case, whatever it is that is keeping me from the gospel, he says, if I had to put that aside, he said, I will. He said, I will, regardless of what it is, I'll put it aside. Since Wednesday, I guess word got out 
that I supported the resolution to ban the Confederate flag. Let me rephrase that word, not ban, but to distance ourselves from the Confederate flag. I realize there are many who are squirming in their seats even as I speak. But if there is anything that's going to keep someone from hearing the gospel, then I'm not in favor of it. As I talk to my brothers in South Carolina, my pastors, and the racial tension that they face because of some of the stances that their governor and other folks have made, to me, it was a non-question that the greatest thing in our life is the gospel. Do I love what that represents? Do I love any type of flag? To me, it's not a big deal. The big deal is Jesus and winning people of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray in your own heart, and the reason why I brought that up is because since Wednesday, I've been called lost. I've been called a tear. I've been in a group called an idiot. Thankfully, nobody in this church. <laughs> They're called all types of things. You'd say, Brother John, the world's like that. They're lost. No. These are from people who I've worshipped beside most of my life. All over a flag. And that's disheartening to know that the greatest thing in our life is the gospel. And I pray it is for you as well. The flag's a personal issue, and I'll probably never bring it up from this pulpit again unless it's needed. But I wanted to make a point not to be divisive, but to challenge you. Is there anything in your life that you're willing to put in front of the gospel? If there is, then it's an idol. It can be anything. But I challenge you to make the gospel, number one. Number three, Paul lived the gospel. And I'll be quick on this one. Paul lived the gospel in 23, says, Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Paul's saying, I'm doing all of this for the gospel's sake. He says that I may be partaker of it with you. Paul's saying, I want you to come alongside this journey. Not to argue and to be defensive or divisive on this issue or that issue, but more importantly, to reach people to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Jesus is coming back soon. And there are over 2 billion people who've never heard of the name Jesus. And I pray nothing gets in our way of reaching people. This was none other illustrated in a better way than during our Southern Baptist presidential election that happened not just Tuesday, but it went on into Wednesday as well. Tuesday morning, we got our ballots and 
they told us the three guys who were running for president of the Southern Baptist Convention. It was a presidential election. One guy, the pastor of First Baptist New Orleans, Dr. Crosby, uh, Steve Gaines from Bellevue in Memphis, and J.D. Greer, pastor of Summit Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. The three guys who made the nominations were all worthwhile. Any of those three gentlemen would have done a tremendous job leading our convention. All three had different visions and directions, but all three of them would have, would have done a, a good job. I had in my heart who I knew I wanted to vote for, so when the vote was passed, when the time had come, I uh, made a mark on my ballot and turned that ballot in. And uh, Attendance was up nearly 23% this year. There were 7,500 some odd messengers, over 11,000 people there. Uh, some of them were, were guests and different things, but over 7,000 messengers, up 23% from last year. We met back that afternoon, and because neither of the two, Steve Gaines from Memphis and J.D. Greer from Raleigh, North Carolina. Steve Gaines received 45, 46% of the votes. It's the same for J.D. Greer because nobody voted. Nobody received 50% of the vote. We had to have a runoff between those two. So the time came for another election. We turned in our ballot and, and got back that uh, uh, time again uh, for that. We had our, our prayer service was, was that evening time and we were all waiting on the results. And the time came where the two that were there, and I've never seen this before except in the Southern Baptist presidential election, nobody got a majority of those two. You say, how is that possible? Because there was 108 uh, um, ballots that could not be counted. Either they were voted wrong or, or you know, sometimes you put two, circle two or whatever. So they were, they were counted in the total but not in either one of them. So Steve Gaines got like 49% and J.D. Greer got like 47%. So word got out. Wednesday morning, another vote. People were telling Baptists, now you know how to vote, don't you? Or you're not one of the 108, are you, that messed up this election? So Wednesday morning came around and everybody was gathering around. The only talk that was there was not about the convention sermon who, that was going to be preached that morning or anything else. It was all about make sure you're there at 1058. That's when we're voting. And maybe somebody would say, well, you need to make sure you vote for this guy. Or you need to make sure you vote. We've got to swing 5% to get them over to this side to make sure we win. And 1058 came around and uh, our uh, president at the time was Ronnie Floyd. And he said, before we make the election, before we vote for the third time, he said, I, I, I want to call to the floor J.D. Greer and Steve Gaines. And as I was sitting uh, two rows from the back, because I just want to know what it was like to sit in the back of a meeting before. <laughs> as I sat in the back, I thought, well, why in the world are they talking? Maybe they're going to give their last uh, campaign speech or something like that. I hate to use that word. And so J.D. Greer got up to the platform and he says, um, we're going to leave this convention united. And he says, if we have this runoff election, somebody's going to win. 52-48, 53-47, And he said, that's not going to make us leave united. So therefore, I withdraw my candidacy for president of the Southern Baptist Convention and I'm voting for Steve Gaines as president.
after about a five minute, maybe longer, standing ovation from even the ones who were going to vote for Him, they saw the humility and the freedom that J.D. Greer had that for the sake of the gospel, he laid it down. So that Southern Baptists today are unified behind one man. And that's Steve Gaines, pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church. Now we're unified around Jesus, but you've got to have a leader to lead the convention. And as I was driving home and I was thinking about this passage today and how all this relates together, I pray if we learn anything, and you can go to YouTube and pull all that up and, 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 and watch everything for yourself, that we would be humble enough to lay aside freedoms that we may have if it means people coming to know Jesus as their Savior. Would you bow your heads? I want to offer an invitation. You may be here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I encourage you to open your heart today and just trust Him. The greatest thing you need in your life is Jesus. And He willingly gave His life for you. Left His home in heaven, became a man, lived 33 years, died on a cross. Died for my sins, died for your sins. He gives you an opportunity to trust Him today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I encourage you to open your heart for Him. Christian, would you join me in praying of all the things that happened this week at the convention and all of the media and social media and the things that you're reading. Most of you are probably like me. You're only reading the negative. Or you're only hearing about the negative. I believe there's one thing we can unify on. We need revival. We need a Holy Spirit move of God that will lay aside our preferences and our prejudices and anything else that may be getting in the way of seeing Jesus and His church glorified. The answer to our problems is not our government. It's the gospel. And as we leave here this morning, I pray that there's a new sense in your heart that the gospel is the greatest thing in your life. Father, I ask this morning, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Father, I pray today your Holy Spirit would clear up anything, Lord, I may have muddied. And we would walk out of here, Father, unified around one thing, and that's the gospel of Jesus. Lord, there may be those who need to give their life to You today. Lord, would they come? There may be guests, God, that You've called this way to join and to be a part of this church family. God, I pray You'd lead. And I pray, Lord, we as First Baptist Church would unify around the gospel of Jesus. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. I want you to 